It's that time, Sports Daily, getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, welcome in, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor on Sports Daily, and we welcome in Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, fresh off a trip to Stillwater. Always hostile down there, Brian, but KU, all things considered, when we know how well Oklahoma State was playing, when we know the history down there, that was about as good a win as we've seen from the Jayhawks all year. Yeah, that was pretty special, no doubt. And to see the way that uh, other players continue to step up, you know, three games ago we were talking about a team that went up to Ames. Jalen Wilson scored 26, and the rest of the starters combined for 18, and we're thinking, man, this could be an early exit in March unless we get these other guys going. And ever since then, three big boy wins. You know, you knock off a top five Texas team at home, two road wins in Norman and in Stillwater. And if you think the Norman win was an easy one, just look at what happened to K-State last night. So to see the way the supporting cast has answered the call, guys like Ernest Uday starting to emerge, the Juan Harris has looked more aggressive of late, and clearly, Grady Dick last night, about as special as we've seen him with a career-high 26. That gives you a lot of hope that this team can make a deep run. And you got people like Jay Wright on the CBS call on Saturday talking about how this looks like a, a repeat national title-type team. It's amazing how quickly the narrative can change one game to the next. You try not to uh, overreact to anything, but this is stringing three really solid performances together in a row now. And you love how this team seems to be playing its best ball as we head down the stretch, which is every team's aim and goal this time of year. You just hope it's sustainable for KU. Well, you know, Brian, we've known the uh, NBA potential of Grady Dick, right? And that's something that's been discussed at length for a long time. But to your point, really showed it uh, and, and showed out last night against Oklahoma State. A couple of those threes that he had uh, were definitely NBA caliber threes. Talk a little bit about uh, what you saw from him in person last night and, and how impressed you were by him. Well, I mean, obviously it was as big a takeover as anybody had on the game last night. Certainly to start the game, Bryce Thompson, the former Jayhawk, looked amazing. And Caleb Boone was terrific throughout. He had a career-high 27 but, uh, you know, Grady hit all the big shots when Kansas made its run late in the first half and early in the second to seize control of the game. And it was great to see him overcome some face guarding and all the defensive attention he continues to receive game in and game out. If you look at it, there have been some games where he can kind of fade, uh, you know, to the, to the sideline, so to speak, in terms of playing prominent role. And that's the opposition keying on him and you know, Bill Self talked about the need for him to move without the ball and get in position because they need him to get at least 12 shots up per game. It was nice that we won on Saturday and we didn't need him to be huge, but five shot attempts is not going to cut it, um, you know, especially on a day when he didn't attempt a single three. So to see him come back last night and get up 17 shots, to see him hit four threes after not attempting a single one, that's the Grady Dick that we would love to see. You don't want him to force it necessarily. And there were a couple of times early in the game where maybe he was doing that. And we're on the road. We get to sit right behind Coach Self. And so you can see his reaction, his body language. You can hear what he says, you know, to every player after a shot that might have been clipped off a little early or, or something that was forced. But I really felt like after that, he settled in and 
by and large this season, he's done a great job of letting the game come to him. And so hopefully last night, though it is the high water mark, hopefully it's more indicative, at least in terms of the shots put up, of what we'll see going forward. Not that it'll be 17 every night, not that it'll even be 15 or higher, but that Kansas will look to establish him, that he'll be moving without the ball to, to get in prime position as often as he can, and that he'll continue to fire confidently because when he's shooting like that, uh, it takes a lot of pressure off Jalen Wilson, who he, let's call it like it is. Jalen was in foul trouble last night, was only on the floor for, what, 26, 27 minutes, and we had to have an effort like that at a Grady Dick. And so you hope there's a lot more nights like that and a lot fewer nights like the you know, two of eight or you know three of nine type nights that we've seen where sometimes Jalen's having his night and Grady can kind of become more of a periphery player. You'd love to have both cooking with gas more nights than not because when that's the case, this does indeed look like a national title repeat type team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been on the table. We know the ceiling of this team is good enough. But I wonder, Brian, we know the ceiling is good enough. How do you raise the floor, right? How does this team win games when it's not reaching its peak offensively, at least like it did last night? I suspect that's defense would raise the floor, right? And and does this team have the DNA to raise that floor to a level that even when they're not playing at their best offensively, they can find ways to win games against good teams. Absolutely. And, and maybe the, the biggest floor raiser, to, to use your term there, would be a guy who's 6'11 with a 7'4 wingspan. He could reach down to raise that floor, couldn't he? Ernest Duday. You know, and last night there was foul trouble that limited his effect on the game. But when he was out there, how many times did he get his hands on the ball? Tips, deflections, steals, not a ton of blocks last night. But, man, he is everywhere. And, and sometimes he didn't corral the deflections all the way. There was one where he had a chance at a breakaway down the sideline. And, you know, those, those go-go gadget arms reach out with that 7-4 wingspan. And, and he's getting to passes that the opposition didn't even realize he was in position to get to. And so I think his imprint on this Kansas team the last couple of weeks is a game-changer dramatically. Kevin McCuller, if he can avoid the ankle injuries, and we really hope that he gets enough treatment uh, between now and, and Saturday that he's good to go for the Baylor game. You know, we see what a game changer he is just in being a great one-on-one defender, but also a help side defender. It covers the sins of a lot of his teammates. So that's something Bill Self's talked about from time to time. And obviously, you know, when you have a guy like Dewan Harris, who Greg Gurley calls the fly in the ointment up front with his quick hands, it just makes you a, a very – imposing defensive team at all three levels, perimeter, mid-range, and back line. And having a guy like Ernest helps you on that back line because, you know, KJ is getting better as a defender, but you saw it last night in the first half. Caleb Boone was kind of having his way with him because he's undersized at that spot and uh, doing all he can to wall up on him. But you, you need a rim protector and a back line enforcer, and that's where you hope that, Ernest can play without fouling because he makes Kansas look like a completely different team when he's in and he's on, like we saw on Saturday and like we saw for stretches last night before foul trouble took it away. Brian, you mentioned a few weeks ago on the show that uh, the the exchange, the conversation during Hawk Talk with Bill Self, with him and Joe Yesifu, and having Yesifu um, you know, elevate his game. And I really feel like we've seen that 
over the last week or two. He's he got extended minutes last night against Oklahoma State, finished with eight points. What have you seen from Yesifu and what he's been able to do recently off the bench for Kansas? Well, there's obviously been a pretty steady uptick ever since that conversation. He's had two eight-point games and one 14-point game. Of course, he was scoreless in Norman 0 for 4. And so the thing with Joe, it's, it's kind of outhouse to penthouse and then back again with him. Last night he hit a huge three right when we had to have it. Corner pockets, three ball going down. And then 30 seconds later, there's a breakaway layup and here ball the layup. And so I think sometimes he can get going so fast, he's almost too fast for his own good. But he certainly has, has been more aggressive showing more self-confidence. We talk about players sometimes fading to the periphery when it's night. He's done that for a year and a half. And lately, really ever since that conversation that you're talking about, he's flipped the switch confidence-wise where he's hunting now. And it's not in a selfish way. It's a I have to be in attack mode to be at my best because it is my athleticism, my burst, and my explosiveness that makes me elite. And so if I'm down throttling into a lower gear, I'm not going to have a chance to be as good as I can be. Now, sometimes, as I said, he'll get a little too revved up, he'll clip off too quick of a shot, or he'll accelerate so fast that he blows the layup. And so that's where you got to find a way to play at high speed. I think we may have a connection issue there with up. Brian. There we go. We got you, Brian. We, had, we lost you there for just a second. All right. I'm actually just north of Wichita. We, we stopped last night uh, and stayed in your lovely city. And uh, it's about one in the morning when we got in. So sorry I'm on the highway today. But I think you got me That's back okay. now. But the, the, pa- yeah. the passive version of Joe, you know, has, has, has gone away. Now you just want to see him play more efficiently at that high aggressive speed. Because if that's the case, you really do have a potent weapon in Yesifu. Brian, I want to talk about the schedule and then the big 12 just a little bit um left on the schedule are uh plenty of winnable games obviously you get three of the next five at home that's always a good place to start but as KU is in a tie now at the top of the big 12 with both Baylor and Texas and several teams on their heels you get Baylor at home Texas on the road what do you think here as we march down the stretch? Is it going to take four and one beating both of those teams? What are we looking at here as far as a Big 12 title? Um, you know, I, I think there's very much a chance they could get it by themselves, that you know, sharing at least. But how are we looking at this final five-game stretch? Well, if you go back to our conversations in mid-January and rewind the tape, I told you all along 13 and five would probably win it outright. And that the 12 and six was the three-way tie number of course Ken Palm was talking about a four-way tie at 11 and 7 I suppose there's still some possibility to that but what Texas losing in Lubbock on Monday night did was it it makes up for KU's stubbed toe in Ames gets you back in that three-way tie right now and if you look at the remaining schedules Baylor probably has the toughest remaining schedule Kansas has a clear path that's very realistic to 12 and 6 but 13-5, and, and, and even when you lost the TCU at home, we said the path to 13-5 and five is win all the rest of your home games, finish at 8-1 and one in Allen Fieldhouse, and then find a way to go 5-4 and four on the road. If you do that, you're at 13-5 and five, you still win it outright. That's still the most realistic path, but in order to do that, 
You have to beat Baylor on Saturday with ESPN College Game Day in the house. You have to avenge that loss in Waco where, if you'll recall, KU went on the big run to come back and take a one-point lead, and then there was a, a huge swing in some calls, one of which led to a technical on Bill Self, and, and we lost the game in about a two-minute stretch where an 8-0 run happened and everything was piling up against us. Point is, you were right there in that one. Remember that, channel that, avenge that, because only twice in 20 years under Bill Self has anybody swept Kansas in a Big 12 home-and-home, and, home, and uh, we don't want to see a third time with Baylor. If you win this one, though, you're, you're now putting yourself in a position where all you have to do to get to 12-6 and six is beat West Virginia and Texas Tech at home, where Bob Huggins has never won in Allen Fieldhouse, and Tech has only won once, and Kansas hasn't lost at home on a senior day in four decades. That's how big Saturday's game is in just getting to that 12-6 and six projection. Then, if you win either of those two really tough remaining road games at TCU and in Austin, then 13-5 and five suddenly is, is attainable, and it's, it's yours. And so that's why Texas losing in Lubbock was such a huge swing game on Monday. Because if you look at Texas's remaining four games, after they take on Oklahoma Saturday, their last four are all top 20 teams. They have as tough of a final four games as anybody. Baylor's final five are as tough as anybody. And I think Kansas is, is, is pretty competitive too, obviously. But Saturday is such a huge swing game. You can get it. I think a share of a, a, a 17th Big 12 title in 20 years of Bill Self almost feels like a certainty just based on who has to play each other down the stretch. But uh, if you get Saturday and Monday, then, then you're thinking Big 12 outright suddenly is, is very much yours because it, it, the math just doesn't add up for these other teams because they all have to play each other. So that's how big the next two games are for Kansas. Uh, and and the last thing from from us here, Brian, I'm curious for your take on this too. As we know, the league is so good, and I would go out on a limb and suspect that you would say KU's the best team in the league. I think I agree with that. Who's the next best? Like, who's the second best team in this league? If you assume that KU is the best, and, I, and maybe not everybody does even that, but you know, how does that power ranking end after KU for you? Yeah. A great question, Jacob, and it's it's a question that maybe even changes tonight because it's my expectation that Mike Miles Jr., the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, who's been out for three weeks, and Eddie Lampkin, who's been out as well, are both going to be back tonight for TCU. So guess what, Kansas fans? Unless they get hurt again, you're going to have to face them on Monday, and half the league just didn't have to face them for the better part of a month. TCU is, in my mind, the most athletic team uh, Texas is the most experienced team. I think after Kansas, which has the Hall of Fame head coach, which is the tiebreaker on all fronts, and, and maybe the best individual player and the, and the best projected draft pick, Grady Dick, individual player being Jalen Wilson, best draft pick, Grady Dick. Kansas is number one, yes, but TCU at full strength might have been number two, but they've, they've obviously gone into a bit of a tailspin being shorthanded. They shoulda, coulda, woulda beat Baylor on Saturday at home shorthanded. And that win is why Baylor right now is in a three-way tie for first, and many think Baylor is the hottest team in the conference. Well, Baylor hasn't had to play Kansas now for a month, and uh, obviously you know, they, they got to take on TCU shorthanded. So we'll see what it looks like for the Bears in a much tougher final five games. But uh, you know, Baylor with their three guards hitting, 
it kind of looks like the three guards that they had on their national title run when you've got the best collection of guard talent arguably in the country, and now they start to get healthier in the post with Jonathan Chachamachua coming back along with Flo Thamba. So they're right there too. But uh, it's one of those three. It's not Kansas State. We've seen that. They dropped four or five. Maybe TCU, again, they played them shorthanded. I don't think it's Iowa State. I, I just think athletically they don't match up. So it's one of those three, and it sounds like a hedge on your question, but you really can't fully assess TCU when they've been without two of their best five players, including the preseason league player of the year. Who they are in the final five games will be different than who they were in the previous six. And so that's why I'm really intrigued to see if both those guys do indeed come back tonight and how they look in their return, because obviously Kansas has them coming up on Big Monday, and that's going to be an absolute battle as they look to sweep Kansas in the home-and-home, just as Baylor is looking to do as well. All right, Brian Haney, we appreciate it. Late tip last night and some driving today. I suspect that means a a nap is in order when you get into Lawrence. That's right, man. I got to get in for a a meeting here a little bit, but maybe late afternoon I'll settle into my nice Mattress Hub mattress for my buddy Ryan Beatty at the Mattress Hub. They've got locations all over the Midwest, but it started right there in Wichita with one of Wichita's finest as the entrepreneur got it going. Best brands, best selection. Tremendous customer service as well. Check them out today at the Mattress Hub. Guys, thanks so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, I hope uh, Wichita folks will drive over for ESPN College Game Day on Saturday. It's the 11th time we've hosted it. How about this year where KU football and KU basketball get to make Lawrence, Kansas, the epicenter of the college sports universe for a couple of Saturdays? That's pretty cool. And, oh, yeah, by the way, a Chiefs Super Bowl parade in between. It's been a great year to be a sports fan in this part of the country. Yeah, you might want to drive around the Kansas City area on your way up. That parade starts in about two hours. Brian, we appreciate it. Drive safe, and we'll talk again next week. See you, fellas. Thanks so much. There goes Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Thoughts on last night's late-night win. I'm glad you brought up that parade. That's a 12 o'clock start. They're already lining up there in Kansas City. Um Good luck to everybody that's either up there, headed up there, whatever. Those things are crazy to me. Uh, Tommy, we still got a lot to come up here in the show. So coming up at the top of the next hour, we have Kevin Saul, Wichita State's athletic director, um, for a biweekly visit. We missed him. So it's been a while since we talked to Kevin Saul. There's a lot to talk about with Kevin Saul as you know things you know get a little more uncomfortable. Wichita State did get the win in double overtime on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, in a game that sort of snuck through because of, obviously, it being on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but a lot to get through with Saul as they get ready for a big game at Temple, a, a, another show-me-something opportunity. You know, their next four, Tommy, at Temple, Memphis at home, at Tulane, at Houston. You want to talk about either an opportunity to do something special or an opportunity to things spiral out of control. That's what Wichita State faces on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at games upcoming that every single one of them are are kind of prove-it games, right? You know, games for the, the future of the program. Um, a, a lot at stake with every single one of them. So, I mean, we could we could be talking about the, the grit that they showed, the guts they showed, or we could be talking about how things, like you said, you know, kind of spiraled out of control. We'll have that conversation with Kevin Saul. Plenty to talk about Wichita State athletics across the board. Wichita State softball is underway. We're 
uh, you know, we're coming down the home stretch of getting some Wichita State baseball. They open on Friday on the road, so a lot to get through. We'll have that conversation with Wichita State's athletic director when Sports Daily returns.